Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. It can be easy to just go through the motions and miss opportunities to truly live. But how do we live life with purpose and intention when there are so many things we could and possibly should be doing? On the podcast today, I interview Catholic speaker, blogger, and now author, Catherine Whitaker, on how to make the most of the life you've been given. In this episode, Catherine shares with us four steps that anyone can take to begin living life with intention so that ultimately they can live big and love bigger. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Lisa today. No Kevin, but I am in my office recording because my guest is sitting across from me, the Miss Catherine Whitaker, Mrs. I should say. Catherine Whitaker is joining me today, and she is a Catholic author, blogger, speaker, and freelance graphic designer who is a sixth-generation Texan. Now, after being raised Protestant, she became Catholic the night before her wedding, and now she's raising her six kiddos in Texas with her husband, and you can follow along at teamwhitaker.org. So the first time I met Catherine was about five years ago at the Adele conference, which is basically a massive girls weekend that's put on by Jennifer Fulweiler and Hallie Lord, if you've never heard of it. And I legitimately tried to convince her that she was somebody else because I was, I was kind of confused. I thought she was Kate Wicker, who's another lovely Southern Catholic speaker, author, all that kind of stuff. Um, and she very gently was like, no dude, that's, that's not me, but she's great. So Catherine, thanks for being on the show with me today. It's awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. It's so nice to have guests in person because then you can see their face and you can drink Dr. Pepper together. Bonus. Definite bonus. Otherwise, you'd just be drinking it by yourself. That's right. That's not nearly as much fun. Not nearly as much fun. Now, if you know Catherine, you know she loves Dr. Pepper. So I grabbed some at the grocery store today. It is the only flavor of soda or pop that I like. Well, of course, because it's the best. It is the the best. I mean, (laughs) this is true. Just truth. So there's your first truth for today. Dr. Pepper is the best pop soda, wherever you come from, whatever you call it. And the biggest thing going on for you here is that you just came out with your new book. I did. That's weird that you say that. But yes, I did. First one, (laughs) it's out in the world. And it's been a really beautiful experience. So exciting. Congratulations. First of all, because that is, I know, you know, so yes, yeah, thank you. It's like having a child. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's my seventh baby. So yeah, totally. Yeah. People are like, it's a baby pretty much. That's how much love and work you put into a book. So very exciting. The book is titled live big, love bigger, getting real with barbecue, sweet tea, and a whole lot of Jesus. I feel like that title right there, like sums up you. Pretty much. <laughs> I know when I got it from the publisher and then I saw the cover, I thought, man, they totally nailed it. I love it. Okay. So here's a question I have. I was looking at the cover and I feel like I saw you wearing the same boots that are on the cover. Do you have those actual boots? Oh yeah. That's me on the cover in my boots. Those are your boots on the cover? Yes. That's me. That's so fun. So my girlfriend took that photo. So I love it. It means a lot. Yeah. So those are actually, I, you know, I'm trying to think if I had them back then. I don't know. I'll have to look and see. 
How long you've had the boots? Yeah. Yeah. Those boots. I mean, I've had boots forever, but those particular boots, I'm not sure. I'll have I to love look that, that up. No one's ever asked me that before. I'll yeah. have to look. Yeah. But like, no, I don't think there was anywhere that said like, and that's Catherine's boots on the cover. Her, her legs. Those are, those are my face. legs. I know. I asked them, can I be on the cover? And they're like from the knee down. I was like, all right. So <laughs> boots it is. <laughs> so I will take you up on that offer. Now you do graphic design. So did you design the cover then? I didn't, but in true graphic designer form, I gave them three pages of ideas of colors and fonts and just covers that I loved. And truly, it was a really collaborative effort. I was really grateful. That's not usually, usually the publisher just does the cover. Right. But I was grateful that they gave me the opportunity to give input. And then they really took that input and really ran with it. So I was super excited. Oh, I love the cover. It's so fun. It's so you. It's so great. Well, one of the hearts of this book. So first of all, I just I just finished the book and I've got to say I really enjoyed it. You did such a great job. It's such an easy read, but at the same time it's challenging. Thank you. Does that make sense? Like I enjoyed reading it, but I also it wasn't just like, oh, that was fun and fluffy. I was like, ah, oh, I got to work on this <laughs> and I should probably think about that. Like you almost had me signing up for bar class like <laughs> the next day. <laughs> I'm not a fluffy writer, so yeah. I do. Hopefully, I made you laugh in there. So, oh yes, laugh okay, too. Good. Yes, good, good, good. yes. It's it's an all around. I feel like there was like almost a memoir aspect to it. Were you expecting that or? Um, no, actually, I just kind of took bits and pieces of my life that I felt like we had really transformed and shared those. And the order of the chapters changed probably four or five times, but oh, I feel yeah. like the order that we put it in is the order that it was meant to be in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's some jumping around. It's, it's too late like now, a, but... <laughs> no, no. But I, I guess I felt like... Um, like I love memoir. That's one of my favorite genres, is just being able to hear people's stories. So some books, you know, you, you feel like it's just like, here's all the things you need to do, whereas I felt like you were like taking me along with you on your journey. That was the hope. Good. That well, was, I got that. I'm awesome. That makes me very happy. Thank I you, got Lisa. That. I enjoyed that. Okay, so there was one part in particular, and that's kind of the heart of what we're going to talk about today, which is intentional living, um, which is really, I think, a lot of the message of the book is like, we need to live intentionally so we can live big and love big. Bigger. There we yes, go. Yes, <laughs> there you go. Texas, everything's bigger. <laughs> everything's bigger. That's right. That's right. Um, so there's one part that struck me, and it's so perfect because it's our topic for today, this, this idea of intentional living, because you were describing a time in your life where I feel like we are like perpetually in it for the last year and a half. Like I keep thinking we're coming out of it and I'll say that I'm like, Oh yeah, we're almost out of the crazy. Cause we just, we just, I feel like the podcast, sorry guys, you get to hear this all the time, but we just moved, had a baby and changed jobs like all within the last year and remodeled, completely remodeled our house that we bought. And so, so just a few small, just a few small, just a few small things. Yeah. Yeah. So you were at this transition time in your life and you guys did something crazy you said six months, like we just quit, like everything. We did. We axed it all. That's insane. Okay, tell me about that. Take me back to that place before we kind of dive into this, because I think this paints the picture for why intentional living was all of a sudden like, we have to do this now. We have to be more serious about what we're doing and why. Yeah, so we just had our sixth baby. And you know, you kind of think, or at least I thought by the time I had six baby that I was an autopilot, like we've done this before, it shouldn't be difficult. And so when the fall rolled around, I just did all the things that I've always done because I'm top A, we get things done. Activators, like one of my top strengths. I was like, we can totally do this. So we signed the kids up for all the things. And then come the spring, I found myself on the side of the road with the car in park, almost hyperventilating, feeling like I needed to call my OB because I was not okay. Mm. Like things were really spinning out of control. And 
so after a conversation with my nurse and my OB and my husband, we sat down and I was like, the cruise director is tired, honey. She cannot. <laughs> the cruise director. <laughs> so I was like, I can't. I can't do this. And I think originally we thought, well, maybe we'll, we'll take this out or maybe we'll cancel this social obligation. And both of us that night looked at each other and realized we needed to like go cold turkey. So we cut everything out of our schedule, every volunteer thing, every social obligation, all of it for six months. That sounds like a dream, <laughs> but I'm not brave enough to do it. Like We had a lot of people say, oh, I wish I could do that. And I'm like, you can do that. It's hard. And like all these people, you know, were, well, maybe, maybe if you do this or, or what if we helped you do this or blah, blah, you know, all these, like I call them enablers really were trying to help mm-hmm. us stay on the crazy train. And I'm like, no, we, we needed, we needed a, a cold turkey like removal from all the crazy. Mm-hmm. And that was a hard thing to admit mm-hmm. as a type A, get it done kind of mom that I needed a break mm-hmm. because type A, get it done moms don't need a break. No. Right? Right. That's at least, that that <laughs> was what I was, that was the world that I was living in, Lisa. Yeah. And it was time to reevaluate and figure out what it was that God wanted for our family. I love that. Okay, so what we're going to do on the episode today then is walk you through kind of that process that you and Scott took and how you got from, okay, we're quitting it all to, I'm sure when you transitioned back in, you probably didn't pull everything back in, Yeah. Oh, no, everything did not come back. It's not like sometimes in Lent, you know, when you're like, oh, I'm going to give up all these things, and then you go right back to what you were doing. That was not the case with this. We took everything out, and then we purposefully, it was sort of like the jigsaw puzzle, what really needs to be back in. Mm -hmm. And what did we just say yes to because maybe we were feeling like we should say yes, but just because you should doesn't mean you could, or just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you've broken it down for us into four steps for how you did this. And the first step is to take an inventory of obligations for each family member. Tell me about that. Yeah. So we just made this list of what are the things. And so at that time, our kids were infant to 13. So we were, you know, brand new baby to middle school. That's exactly Does that sound my familiar? Range. Exactly my range right <laughs> so, now. So, okay. So here's the sensei. All right. So we, we went in and we just started some of them were mentalists, like obviously infant, her, her list was easy. Feed me, love me, bathe me. Yeah. Change so that, my diaper. Change my diaper. That was it. So her list was all, all were important, <laughs> but for everyone else, we made a list. Like what are the things that they love to do? What are the things that, that we currently have on the docket? And we just wrote it all down so that we could sort of get a sense of what, what do we want to do? What are the kids interested in? So that we could have a full picture of what all the choices were. And, I think a lot of times we have a hard time with that inventory when we start to kind of dig down as to what's most important. I think it's hard because all the choices are really good, Lisa. Yeah. Because we're presented with so many great things that we feel guilty about saying no to the things. So writing that inventory allowed us to see them all on paper and really evaluate what do we love? What, and what does God want of us? What does God want us to do? And -hmm. so that inventory was a good visual picture of what did we just get ourselves into and now what? So the inventory was a good start. Now, what did you do for you? Cause I, I, like, obviously you did your kids, right? Did you also write lists of your, your own stuff too, or was it just the kids? Um, mostly the kids. I mean, for us, most of his obligations were either some of the volunteer things that he did, obviously at the kids' Mm -hmm. schools, 
you know, his work stuff, it's not like he could go, he works for the yeah. church. So it's not like he'd go to the bishop and be like, so I just want to tell you that I'm not going to do this. But I think as a yeah. stay-at-home mom and also, a, you know, I have my own small business graphic right. design, I had to be honest about the clients that I was taking on. Like, is that project something that I should continue doing? Because mm-hmm. most of them are a short-term project and then I may pick it back up a few months later. But did I really want to keep working with that client? Was that a good fit for our family, even though they were a great client? But was the workload a good fit for our family? So that was really what I evaluated was some of my volunteer stuff at school, but mostly my business stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, at that point, I think I was blogging. So it's not like I was writing. I was just writing for fun. That was my outlet. So that's what I looked at for me. So you kept the blog on because that's like your outlet. I did. That was my sanity saver. That's how I talked to Jesus. I don't. I, I don't blog as much, which doesn't mean that I don't talk to Jesus as much. Those, those <laughs> conversations just happen in a different way now. But at that time I was, I was blogging a lot and that was a good therapeutic thing for me. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. And I do think that's important when you're considering things and you're inventorying like, okay, don't just put down the like must do's or the like, um, yeah, like things on the list. Like we didn't put like wash laundry, like <laughs> yeah. as much as I would like to not have to wash clothes like that, that has to happen. That, that one's not that's around. important. Okay. So good. Okay. So first step is just to take an inventory of all the obligations for your family members. Okay. So we're going to pause here because it's time for our Catholic hack and you have a great hack for us. So this is something we do on the show every week. We share some simple way that you can make living your Catholic faith more quick, more easy, more intentional. So tell me about your hack because I love this one. So they say imitation is the highest form of flattery. So when we were living in Iowa, we had this great group of couples that we got together with. And one of the couples there told us that, oh, yeah, we keep all of our Christmas cards throughout the year. And then every night at the dinner table, we'll pull out one or two cards, read that card for our kids so they get to know that family. And then we pray for them every night at our dinner table. And that, to me, seemed like such a better way instead of seeing all those beautiful Christmas cards that come in and then putting them in the recycle bin or putting them in some sort of a book. That just seemed really purposeful and intentional. And so we started doing that. And then we let people know that we were doing that. We said, you know, send us your cards. We'll pray for you. And we noticed that we kept getting, or people would not do a Christmas card, but they would intentionally send us a card because they wanted the prayers, (laughs) which I love. (laughs) And so it's been really awesome for our kids to get to know those people in real life when we see them in real life because they've gotten to know them at our dinner table. So if we can't have you at our dinner table, at least virtually you can be there and we can pray for you. I love that. I just love that. And like Christmas cards is one of my favorite things. Me and I know too. it's September. So. <laughs> I know. Well, it's never, you should be taking pictures about now. So that's right. I know. Oh, the process of getting Christmas cards out. If <laughs> no. you do it, you know, right. right. With the letter right. and the picture and yeah, it's its own thing. Um, but what a great way to do it. Cause I know at our house, we seem to find the cards like, like as soon as the mail comes, they get broken open and everyone reads them and like, we're not eating dinner because we're so excited to read the cards. So yes, that's exactly. I, I like spreading it out. And I like the fact that just bring it into dinner as a part of dinner. So yes, what a great hack. Thank you so much. All right. And as I said, it is September. So for our liturgical lowdown this week, we have coming up September 8th is the birth of Mary and that is a feast day. So of course this means it's Mary's birthday which is really special and exciting. And in fact, in the liturgical year, we only celebrate three birthdays. We celebrate Jesus's birthday, Mary's, and John the Baptist. So of course, this being a Marian feast day, great day to pray the Hail Mary, the Memorare, the Hail Holy Queen, the Rosary. I mean, 
there are just endless opportunities when it comes to Mary and the prayers you can say. So make sure you say a special prayer to Mary. A simple craft you can do that we've done with our kids before is on occasion, we will make birthday cards for Mary and take them to the church and just put them at the foot of the statue. And uh, I'm sure the church ladies find, or church ladies, church men, whoever it is, <laughs> find these cards later and wonder like, what do I do with this? But it's just a neat little thing to take, especially when they're really young. They loved doing that. And of course, you can have a birthday cake for Mary's Day or cupcakes. Cute, simple thing. Decorate with blue streamers because blue is Mary's color. Basically what you do for any birthday, just remember it's Mary's birthday and she's watching down from heaven as your mama. So make sure you wish her a happy birthday. All of this. I know. Those are so fun. All right. Well, back to our list, our four steps for how do we live intentionally. And Catherine's walking us through a very intense time in their life when they realized we got to cut it out. We just got to start over. So the first thing they did is they took an inventory of their obligations and tell me about the next step. What did you guys do after that? I think our tendency is to want to decide immediately what goes and what stays, but I would encourage you to commit it to prayer, which is what we did. I think in the heat of the moment, we were ready to just, you know, when we came out of the moratorium, we're never doing anything again, or let's just add it all back because we felt really you know, good about ourselves and we had all this extra time, so surely we could do it all. But I think committing it to prayer. And I think that what that that does is it takes it out of your hands and puts it squarely in Jesus's. So it's almost like you're taking it to the altar and saying, I'm giving this to you. You tell me what builds our family, what brings us closer to you, what's makes what makes us better disciples for you. And that was a really powerful time for our family to be able to really pray about and take the time because I'm a doer, so I like to know the answer immediately. But it was nice to take the time to really to commit it to prayer. And that was um, that's a key step, I think, that we sometimes miss, is we think that we can do it on our own. Totally. Yeah, I could I could definitely see my husband and I, if we did something like this, sitting down and like writing the list and just making the decision right there. Sure, because that's efficient, right? <laughs> yeah, but probably <laughs> Give it a few not days. the best thing to do because, um, oh, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> That's music for emphasis. That is. Oh my gosh. I wonder if people can hear this. Um, so my mom just called and it like showed up and then apparently it brought. How appropriate though that she calls as we're talking about all of that. I, love I know. It. I know. This is real life. Um, <laughs> the listeners know we don't edit these. <laughs> what you hear is what you get. So sorry about the music. Um, okay. So bring it back. Prayer. Yes. So taking the time to pray about it. Now, did you involve the kids in this step? Um, we sat down with the the older ones that were old enough to kind of understand me. The younger ones, when you take them out of dance, it's not, they still get to dance in the living room. So it wasn't like this. How yeah. do you feel about that with your five-year-old? But the older ones, the middle school kids, we did ask them, you know, what are you enjoying? I think I mentioned this in the book, but one of our kids really was feeling stressed and he was the most, I was the most concerned about that particular kid. And when we took all the stuff out, he was like, you know, actually, I'm really glad because I was feeling stressed. Yeah. Like you're 10, man. You should <laughs> not be stressed. You're 10. So in that regard, we did involve the kids because some of those activities were obviously things that were going to require effort on their part, either practice time or a commitment to an obligation that they had maybe at the church. So I felt like it was important to ask them, how do you feel about that? Do you want to keep doing that? Yeah. Do you miss it? Uh, are you good that we took that out and are you ready to try something new? And so while we didn't 
purposely sit them down with Scott and I, Scott's my husband, and sit down and say, let's pray about that as a family. Scott and I really committed that to prayer, but we did involve them on how do you feel about that particular activity as Scott and I took that to prayer as our family. Gotcha. So you kind of took, yeah, into consideration what they were thinking. Yeah, I'm trying to picture, I would think most kids would kind of flip out, but it sounds like your kids were super well, I was, receptive to I it. was worried actually. Mm. And the first, I mean, make no mistake, like we don't live some great, pious, beautiful life in that our kids weren't like, this is the greatest thing ever. You're so smart. <laughs> they were really peeved and they were bored and frustrated. I mean, all the normal things, kind of like when you do a detox mm-hmm. of anything, mm-hmm. you're frustrated, angry, you know, on edge because the things that you were doing, you're now not doing anymore. And so now you have to face the music as to what did you get yourself into so there's a detox period but once we kind of got through that initial few weeks I kind of feel like this is back to land a little bit but whenever you kind of get through those first few weeks and you kind of settle into your rhythm and you figure out what brings you peace and then you're like okay so now what really brings me joy instead of what what did I just sign up for just because I felt like I should sign up for it Mm -hmm. so it allowed us to walk back in with purpose and intention what fruit what great fruit Okay, good. So, so that's step two there, setting that time aside to pray about it, which um, is just necessary. It's just completely necessary, else you'll end up making crazy decisions based off emotion and based off of right. uh, fear, too, probably. Um, okay, so then after you prayed about it, where did you go from there after you kind of had a, a feeling of like, okay, here's what we need to do? So this is my favorite step, step yeah. three. Um, I call it the 2 a.m. choice. So when you're thinking about what you add in, what you take away, picture yourself, it's 2 a.m. and you said yes to the thing that you really love. And now it's 2 a.m. Are you glad you said yes? Or do you wish that you said no? Mm. So if you wish that you said no, it should probably come off the list. But if it's 2 a.m. and you're doing it, I call that your hell yes. Like it's not just a yes, but it's like a hell yes because you believe in it. You're passionate about it. It brings you joy, brings you closer to your spouse, your kids, Jesus, whatever it may be you know when it's a hell yes. I mean, there are lots of good yeses out there, but yeah. I mean, make like commit. And so that, that's, that was the defining, if we were kind of on the line, like, ah, this is such a good thing. Should we say no? Should we say yes? And then we would say, ah, that's a hell yes. We should keep that on the list or <laughs> ah, that's just a yes. So we're going to table it and not do it now, but maybe it's going to roll back in at some point. But right now mm-hmm. in this season, it's not meant to be. And I could see too, there being things in your life where it, it's like it used to bring you joy, but it's no longer bringing you joy because it's become so routine. But if you took it out for a while and then reintroduced it, then maybe. And then you start to realize what you said yes to because you felt obligated to say yes to. Yeah. Because you felt guilted into saying yes to. Yeah. And, and I think our fear sometimes is if we say no to something, then who else is going to do it? Mm. When in reality, it's okay to either let that activity fall by the wayside because maybe it served its season and its purpose, or maybe it's time to let somebody else lead it. And maybe they haven't been leading it or they haven't been doing it because they saw you doing it and they didn't want to, because they saw it as, I think we had a priest one time and he said, every three years, I want you to rotate out of a ministry because I don't want it to be Catherine's vacation Bible school or Catherine's liturgy. As, as a lector, like you need to roll out of that and let, give someone else an opportunity to lead. So as we looked at particularly our church obligations, what were we holding on to so tightly that we really needed to let somebody else take on? Mm-hmm. And that was a really, I mean, that's a little bit of that selfless detachment, but it yeah. was good for us. Yeah. There's always that fear of like, well, if I don't do it, who will? Like, okay. So because we're me. so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did somebody take over all the things that you gave up? Actually, yes. I gave up vacation Bible school and that was really hard for me. Mm. I had been a VBS director for years 
And in fact, I joke, one of my babies was born during vacation Bible school. Like my water broke during vacation Bible school while I was leading VBS. So I had a lot of attachment to that. We really built that ministry up. I felt like it could, you know, we just, man, I poured my heart into that ministry and I loved it, but it was time to let somebody else do it. And that was a, that was probably for me, that was the hardest one to give up. Did you ever go back to it? I went back, but not in the same role. Mm -hmm. And then the last couple of years, I actually moved out of that ministry and moved into confirmation. Wow. So it's been beautiful. It's a different season. Yeah. And it's okay to recognize the end of one season for the fruit of another season. Mm -hmm. It's okay to to let one go because that means that you have time to take on another one. Mm -hmm. And I took it on in a different way. Confirmation responsibilities are vastly different from VBS. But I think, but when I let it go, Lisa, it was like a sort of... Like I exhaled and I was like, I gave it all I could and I loved it. Mm -hmm. And now it's time to let somebody else love it as much as I did. It almost felt selfish to keep it on. Mm. There you go. You're you're helping with the fears that we all have right now of like, but if I stop, then nobody else will do it. No, people will step in. They will. And if they don't, it's okay. It's okay. That's true. That's true. It might be the Holy Spirit working there. Okay. So last step then you've decided which ones get the yes, which ones get the ax. What is the last and final step, then number four for this process? Find your people. So find the community, find the people that are going to help you and support your decision and help you bolster you up, help encourage you in whatever choice you've made for your family, uh, sort of like your cheerleading section. And so as much as you're finding the community to help really build up the reason why you've chosen to do this for your family, also do the same for other people. Affirmation is one of the most um, important things that we forget in discernment. You know, we're always like, oh, we hear this call, whatever, but you have to find f- people to affirm your decision. That's sort of like the key component of a discernment process. So after you've gone, and I, I felt like what we did was a real discernment process of mm-hmm. where are we being called, what should we be doing, and finding affirmation from those people and then finding the support from them was really great. And it, it allowed me to do the same for other people. Because sort of when you see someone drowning and the the waters of this life that we perpetuate for ourselves, you got to throw them a life preserver every once in a while. And it was really gratifying and deeply affirming to throw the life preserver out to someone else and like pull them inside the boat of intentionality and say, you can do it too. Like you don't have to drown in crazy. Like there's this boat of intentionality that you can be in and it's going to bring a lot of fruit for your family. So saying no to those things allows you to really live a purpose, intention filled life. And that was I mean, that's the whole book, but that was that, that process really, um, it changed us mm-hmm. in all the best of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do want to mention too, I know we're talking specifically about this season, but like, this is like a couple of chapters of the book. There's right. like so many other ways too, that you explain just like, how do you live big, love bigger? Um, whether that be through hospitality or whether that be through, you talk about your own marriage. I mean, there's just so many different areas of life that you look at. I just, I love that. This one in particular struck me cause I was like, Hmm, yep. Baby to 13. That's, that's me. us. <laughs> that's that's where me. I'm at. Um, and I think all of us, no matter what stage of life we're in, even if you're not married with lots of kids, this is an important process to go through every so often and really ask yourself, okay, why am I doing this again? Like, have I prayed about this commitment? Am I feeling overwhelmed by it? Or even am I, am I just like begrudgingly doing it? You know, like, okay, so ask yourself, like, what is, what's the purpose of all of this? Like, where am I going and why am I doing it? Um, 
Okay, so those four steps, again, just to recap. Number one is to take an inventory of your obligations for each family member, or if it's just you, just take your own inventory. Then you can take your own, it'll be fast. It'll be fast, that's right. <laughs> Step two is to set aside time to pray about it. Step three is to decide which one gets a no and which one gets a hell yes. And then step four is to find people who support your decision. I love it. It's so simple. It's so practical, which is what we do here on the podcast. I love that. Yes, I'm all about practicality. So... Let's go to the how-to challenge. Tell me, what is your how-to challenge for our listeners today as a result of this episode? What do you want them to do? I want them to schedule nothing, one not a week. Nothing on the calendar. Nothing on the calendar. Nothing on the calendar. Do you guys do this? I take it you do, probably. We try really hard. It yeah. does get tricky in the fall because football, sorry, Texas, you know, <laughs> it's a little trickier in the fall uh-huh. and a little trickier in May. Mm-hmm. May is the new December. Yeah. But very much so. There are nights that we don't have anything on the calendar and we keep it that way. Sometimes people say, oh, we should get together for dinner. Oh, we should do that. And we look at our calendar and we don't see anything there. We're like, I'm free. Yes. But sometimes it's okay to say no. And you don't have to explain why you're saying no. Mm. Thank you so much for the invitation. We appreciate we're unable to make it. Mm -hmm. And then you leave that not free. And it's okay to just watch a movie with your family that night. Yeah. And to say no to a dinner invitation, not because you don't love the people that gave you a dinner invitation, but because being present for your family is more important mm-hmm. on that particular night. Mm-hmm. So I, my challenge is to take one night a week and as much as possible throughout the year, don't schedule anything on that night and be present to the people that you love. I love that. And I love the fact that too, that you can be honest and you're like, yep, sometimes we don't hit it every week, but that's just life, you know? And sometimes we like totally front load. We're like, there's three knots this week that we don't have anything. (laughs) This is amazing. It's tricky. When they get older, they get into high school, somebody's got something, but we try really, really hard to protect, Mm -hmm. to protect that. One thing that we did during Lent one year was um, not making anyone work on a Sunday. And that's kind of where that bled into that one not a week. Well, during Lent, we made it Sunday. That's really hard. So no getting gas, no going to the grocery store, no mowing the lawn, none of that. Uh No screens. Wow. Yeah. It was hardcore, but it was really fruitful. And we were like, where do we get all this time? Mm -hmm. We felt like Sundays lasted forever. In a good way. And and (laughs) in the very best of ways. Yeah. And and especially during during that particular time of the liturgical year. But I think it paid dividends throughout the year when you can give yourself an opportunity to rest. I love that. That's like another hack right there. There you go. I love that. Two hacks. Double. Double double Double, hack. (laughs) Double hack day. There you go. And the book is filled with hacks, too. I was reading through. I was like, oh, that's a good Catholic hack. Maybe I should (laughs) steal that one there. (laughs) Imitation. Highest form of flattery. I'll take it. That's right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's just so fun to have you here in person and to get to see you again and more intentionally. As Catherine (laughs) Whitaker instead of Kate Wicker. I love it. You're not Kate. (laughs) We got that one there. All right. Well, if you want to connect with Catherine, you can find her lots of places. One, teamwhitaker.org is her blog. You can find her on Facebook at Team Whitaker. Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest are all kwhitaker96. So I'll spell that out, K-W-H-I-T-A-K-E-R-9-6. So be sure to check out her social and be sure to check out her new book, Live Big, Love Bigger. You can find it on Amazon, Abbe Maria Press, Target, Walmart, all the places, right? All the places. All the places. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Lisa. So if you want to connect with us, Kevin and I, our email is hello at madetomagnify.com or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Kevin's at Kevin R. Cotter. I am at Lisa Ann Cotter. That's Ann with no E. 
As always, if you've enjoyed the show, please give it a rating on iTunes, add it to your podcast subscriptions, and tell a friend. These little things help us get the word out about How to Catholic. Until next week, be saints. It's worth it. Thank you.